First of all, welcome into the program. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. And second of all, we're doing this thing again where we're in different cities. We're actually in different countries. Uh, You are up in Toronto. Of course, I'm here in Los Angeles. What's going on up in Toronto? Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. So I'm here at the uh, right on the lakefront, uh, Western Harbor Castle. Nice hotel. A lot of emissaries here, John. Like, uh, I don't know which Sedin it is, but there was a Sedin walking through the lobby. And I'm sure it was Daniel or, or Henrik. And then JP, are you sure? I mean, how do you know? Maybe there's another brother that we don't even know about. There, there could be, but it's Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. They're getting inducted, so my, my the odds are pretty good. It's one of them. And then uh, JP Morosi, who does a great work on MLB and NHL Network, he's here as well. So saw him in the lobby. So it's going to be a fun weekend. The Leafs play tonight and tomorrow, Vancouver and Pittsburgh. So um, it's going to be a fun weekend here. Absolutely. Well, you know, you being gone, uh, let me just tell you that, you know, we, we often reference the uh, the fans, the listeners, yes. whatever that you want to call them that. Uh, and I don't mean that in a, in a disparaging way. We appreciate no. them. They come by the elevators during uh, intermission at uh, Crypto.com Arena. And sure enough, people know that you're out of town because last night during intermission, somebody <laughs> stops by and they want to have a bunch of questions. You know, Where's Dennis? Why isn't he here? Why is he in Toronto? And, and you and I really didn't get a chance to connect much this week. And yeah. uh, so now that you say it, I do remember you saying it was Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. Um, but I didn't have an answer at the tip of my finger uh, when they were asking, well, where, you know, why is he here? I'm like, I don't know. He's in Toronto. Like, uh, I'm going to talk to him tomorrow. We'll get to the bottom of this. So well, here, here's you know, the real reason. I, I didn't even realize it was Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. The premise of me coming up here was uh, prior to two weeks ago, we do the hot stove show. And um, I'd never met Ryan Payton in person. So the premise was SiriusXM has new studios here in Toronto. So I was going to come up, meet Ryan for the first time, go to the studio, do the show from there. Now, subsequently, Ryan came to Vegas a couple of weeks ago, finally met him in person. But I was really coming up here to, to see the new studios and the new digs. And I hadn't been to Toronto in like four years like i'd been to edmonton enough times that i you know i'm, I'm good for the next three years in calgary three and, and that, hold on wait a minute you're telling me that in three years you're willing to go back to edmonton uh, we might go back in the playoffs john who knows i mean i don't know what's gonna go on this but it didn't, made pass, a lot of friends you. yeah i know you'll pass made a lot of friends so uh yeah so that was the whole premise of it and then i was oh okay it's hockey hall of fame week and i came up because I saw there were two Leaf games back to back. I'm like, okay, this is great. I'll come. Then me knucklehead didn't realize it was a hockey hall of fame weekend, but it's going to be uh it's going to be a fun weekend. So that was, uh, that was the true premise of me coming up. 
All right, so I don't feel bad then because um, I didn't mention Hockey Hall of Fame to this person. I was like, yeah, he's going to the SiriusXM studios and he's going to yeah, catch a couple Leafs exactly. games. So I had, the, I had the bulk of the story, right? Okay. You did, no, you got it right, actually. The, the hockey, oh, yeah, by the way, it's Hockey Hall of Fame weekend, whatever. But, yeah, I was coming up for, for that other. And, John, you know, it's funny. Two years ago, it was impossible to get into Canada. Like yesterday – um, yeah, just go walk in. No problem. You know how <laughs> you know how you get to the border and you scan your, your passport and it gives yeah. you that little and you take a picture and the picture you can't even see the picture and it's a, there's a ticket you get with a number on it. I didn't even have to go to the customs agent. I just walked through they take my thing. Like, okay, you want to come to the country, no problem. So it's been well, it's a little different now than it was during the COVID times. Be thankful also that you um, weren't flying into Vancouver because, you know, when you land in yes. Vancouver, you have to go on that seven-mile walk to get, I know. to get cleared. I'm tired oh. by the time I get to the end. John, I just, I want, I'm ready to go home. Mayor, I, I don't know why that – and it, was, it wasn't as egregious as a walk this time, but always it's like, okay, we're going to put you at the furthest <laughs> gate possible, you Americans, so you don't really want to come in on country the next right. time. And you're carrying luggage and a bag and uh, – I never get that long, incredibly – you could actually walk to Vancouver by the time you get to the, to the terminal. And my favorite part is when you get about halfway through and then there's like another security person. And so you think, oh, I must be close. And they're like, yeah, keep going. Keep going. Like, oh, it's just the midpoint. It's like a, it's like a marathon. It's just those people that stop and give you water on the way. It's unbelievable, John. That, that You're absolutely right about that walk. It's just uh, egregious. Well, we are we are blessed in many ways, though. So um, if those are the worst complaints that we have yes. in life, then I, I think we're doing just fine, DB. So uh, so Dennis Bernstein coming to us live from Toronto. I am John Hoven. We're here in Los Angeles. And DB, this is episode 140 of Kings of the Podcast. We are coming to you today from the Steve Bozak studio. Now, DB, this name, the reason that uh, this was selected for today is that our guest is Bernie Nichols. He'll yeah. be joining us in the second period, a longtime fan favorite. I don't know if the pumpernickel translates over radio. It might be more of a, a video thing, but uh, we'll see if maybe he does a pumpernickel at the beginning or the end of the of the interview today. But so you say, well, why? Why Steve Bozak? Well, Bernie was drafted in the fourth round of the 1980 NHL draft. We'll get into that with Bernie Nichols, but selected one round ahead of him. Just think about that was uh was Steve Bozak. So this is yeah. just further proof that you never really know how the draft know. is going to work out. Uh, Stevie B played 640 games in the NHL, uh, largely out of Los Angeles. He was at Northern Michigan University uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s, turned pro in the 81-82 season, debuted with the LA Kings, played uh, two years in Los Angeles, and then went on to play for the Calgary Flames for a number of years, about five years, I believe and then St. Louis, Vancouver, and wrapped up his journey with the San Jose Sharks, which also brings a connection to Bernie Nichols as well, because, of course, he spent time with the San Jose Sharks. And uh, Bozak played one year in Italy uh, before calling it a career. So there you go. Drafted in the third round, number 52 overall from Kelowna. I think there are a few other hockey players that have been from, uh, from Kelowna, British Columbia, Dennis. Yes, they have been, John. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's get into talking about the L.A. Kings. We'll do some more Bernie Nichols stuff, and we do have numerology coming up as we wrap up the first period. I think most people know what number Bernie wore, but uh, I guess we'll find out from the reaction to this podcast. Let's talk about the L.A. Kings. Um, first of all, DB, I want to also tell you that you missed a fantastic Todd McClellan press conference last night. It was uh, over nine minutes long, which wow. for a post-game press conference, that's pretty long by NHL coach standards. Uh, but it didn't feel long. It was just, it was a really, Todd was in a, a good mood. He wasn't giddy, but uh, he was in that, you know, that rare 
not rare, but you know that Todd mode where he's he's communicating and he's teaching and he and he's being transparent. Yeah. Um, those are the good conversations, and that was sort of the mood that he was in last night. A little reflective too, because somebody asked a question that you would have appreciated, like I did. They said, "Is there anybody in the room that?" Uh, and I forget the exact wording, but something to the effect of, "Is there anybody in the room that is uh, capable or or potentially going to grow into that Dustin Brown role?" And um, you know, of course, I mean, you could probably predict what the answer was, which is, you know. Dustin Brown was unique and there's, you know, everybody needs to be themselves and not try to be somebody else. But to hear him talk about Dustin Brown, this was the part I wish I would have saved the audio for the program today. The part that I enjoyed the most was he talked about Dustin's wit and, and, and his, his, yeah. his, um, his comedic effect that he had. And a lot of fans don't really know that because Brown comes across very serious or he did at least until Nicole started posting videos of him eating fruit loops and making faces. But <laughs> Brownie was always that guy that was just, he's just sort of funny in his own weird way. He's oh, not yeah. an over-the-top comedian, but he is funny. Dry sense of humor. And I have a scoop for you, John. He, oh. he was in the he was in the building Tuesday night. Um, in, really? In Minnesota. Yeah. I, I, and, and John, this is great. I, I randomly text him because I hadn't talked. I'm like, hey, do you miss it at all? And whatever. He goes, Nope. And that just won't. And then he says, "Oh, I'm in a I'm in a suite tonight at the game." I'm like, uh, "Because you know why? Because his oldest, his favorite player is Kaprizov." Ah, uh, right. So that was number one. And I said, um, "Did the president of the Junior Kings hook you up with that suite?" <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, I right. guess so." But yes, very dry wit and and just but a, a funny dude. You're a hundred percent right with respect to his his humor that uh, I always in, and you always enjoyed over the years but yeah, he actually made it to the uh, but of course Dustin being Dustin like didn't tell anybody like oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and I was waiting John I was waiting for the invitation to come to the suite and hang out but uh, <laughs> keep waiting Dennis <laughs> I am gonna wait I, I'm gonna wait this time. I've had well, enough of you for 20 years I'm gonna I'm good how about um how about he you know maybe eventually the invite will come this was you know his first game back he wanted back. to sort of yeah he wanted to stick his toe in the water and sort of see what it was like to attend as a as a yeah. fan i guess i mean he's not even like you know he's been yeah. in the building before and watched the kings play when he was not in the lineup right, right. Uh, injuries or whatever sure. i remember at the beginning of the year a couple of years ago but never as a fan so maybe he wanted to just sort of experience that but I think we need to talk to uh, to Dustin and Nicole, though. Jake is his oldest, I believe. Kaprizov, really? Like, you know, with all the troubles the Kings had with the Wild that cost them their playoff spot a couple of years ago, that's the player? That's the player who whacked, who whacked Drew with his stick. There you go. Yeah, what did he think about that? See, these are the things that we need to know. What did he think about uh, that that hit on Drew Dowdy? He hit him that with his pretty... glove. He hit him with his glove, according Oh, he hit him with his glove. Okay, all right. <laughs> Uh, dude, what is going on with the, in I, we have to get back to the Kings in a minute, but yeah. you and I just haven't had a chance to catch up our, our busy schedules. Uh, what is going on with all of these injuries going on? Mm. I mean, vicious injuries yeah. around the league. You have uh, well around hockey. Uh, you have yeah. Jamson, the Kings prospect. I posted a yeah. photo of him the other day. He, he had his mouth busted up and his teeth shoved in and he's had some surgery and whatnot. And he's going to be out for a while. Uh, of course you have the Evander Kane situation yeah. going on. Scary. And you have uh, Matt Luff. Who Luffer, just, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what to do with Matt Luff. He can't catch a break. Um, these injuries, just they really they're they're uh, they're pretty omnipresent at the moment right now around around the world of hockey. Yeah, and we've we've talked to Luffer over the last couple of days. And he's sending a couple of photos. 
he put that big plate in his room. I mean, it's it's and that's a bad one because that's a bad hit by Slavkovsky. That's that, there's no reason for just like um, the others. Oh, Josh Anderson on Petrangelo, and Petrangelo's lucky that he didn't get wiped out like Luffer did. Luffer's gone for ten to twelve weeks. He had two different surgeries. It's it's tough. It's just a very dangerous sport, and that's why I don't begrudge these players one dollar that they make. That's why I want them to make as much money as possible because it's a very dangerous sport. Some of it was accident, like Vander Kane. Who know? He was at Maroon wasn't even in play. He came over and skated over his wrist. It's a total accident. It's it's a very very difficult game to play, and, and to get out without any injuries is almost impossible. And but they are. There was a brutal injuries. Vander's gone three to four months now. It's 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 a very tough game by very tough men. That's what my biggest takeaway. But it's it's tough to see because they were brutal injuries. Not to uh, pour salt in the wound for the Edmonton Oilers fans who are listening, um, all 600 of them. Uh, but, man, Jack Campbell, you saw, I don't know if you yeah. saw that tweet by Sportsnet. Uh, his stats for the first 10 games of last year versus the first 10 games of this year, yep. not pretty, Dennis. Uh, you go out and you, you get what you think is going to be the goaltender to solve your problems. And uh, at least statistically, Jack Campbell is having a really tough go there in Edmonton to start the season. He's the number two right now. Stuart Skinner is their top guy right now. It has to be Jack. Who? Stuart Skinner. Come on. Yeah. Skinner, <laughs> Principal Skinner from from The Simpsons. Yeah. Look, this is this is the question mark. You thought that this was going to solve the problem, and for all the people that and look, I know you're not the biggest Mike Smith fan, but Mike Smith can get on a heater and win seven or eight in a row. I'm not sure Jack can do that right now, and he's got the pressure of playing in that in that market. Got paid. It's going to be a challenge for Jack. Now, the Jack that we know will at some point stand up to the challenge and be better, but he hasn't been good. And it's one of the reasons, not just a total reason, because that team just failed totally the other night uh, against Carolina. But it's it's not it's been a rocky start for Jack, not unlike the other guy that's on the $5 million per year contract who happens to play here in Los Angeles for, in, in goal. That's where you wanted to go. Okay. All right. Well, all right. It's not just Jack. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, goaltending is a tough position, right? I was uh, listening to Boomer the other day, uh, and of course, our, our thoughts are with uh, Jim totally. Boomer Gordon right now and what yep. he's going going through. And uh, you know, I was I was really honored to uh, to speak with him the other day on air, and, and uh, yep. it's always a great time with Boom and uh, him being out of the out of the office, so to speak, on Thursdays and Fridays here for the last couple of weeks has been tough. Yep. Uh, but we do send our best wishes to Jim Gordon as he goes through, you know, his own personal battle. But uh, uh, on the on the air the other day, he was talking with, uh, I think it was Tyler, and uh, they were they were talking about goaltending and just, uh, no, it wasn't Tyler. It was uh, it was Jake. I'm so Jake sorry. Yeah. yeah, I'm so sorry. It was Jake. I knew when I said it. You know when you say something and you know it's wrong and then your, like, your brain can't keep moving forward? That's why I was like, uh, 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 I knew it was the wrong name. Yeah, I was listening to you earlier talk about uh, your group of, uh, of merry men there at SiriusXM. But anyway, yeah. uh, they were talking about goaltending, and Jake basically just said, he goes, I just like don't even try anymore. Goaltenders are just weird and they're their own position yeah. and I can never figure them out. And when I think I know, I don't know. And that's yeah. just sort of how goaltending is. It's uh, it's witchcraft, Dennis. That's what it is. But let's talk about some positive news here. Sure. The LA Kings have been largely a 500 club this year. They've had no, not really an, an extended losing streak and not really any sort of extended right. uh, winning streaks, largely because we're dealing with a pretty small sample size. But it feels kind of like a one step Up forward, one step back, yep. right? Win a couple, lose a couple, win one, lose one. So uh, a very, a very 500-ish sort of club. However, they came home off the road trip uh, where they picked up a couple of points. They left some points on the table, though, as well. Uh, they came home. They have a four-game homestand, three games in, one game left to go with Detroit. 
they're three and zero on this road trip. This is my assessment, and I wanted to get your take on this. They sort of feel like three different games, and the reason I say that is that last night. I felt like some of the players and even McClellan were referring to these last two games as being similar. And I get where they were going. It was more of like, (laughs) we've tightened up defensively in these last two games. But to me, they felt like three separate games. And so what I'm saying, Dennis, is I'm still not totally sure who this team is. That's kind of where I see glimpses of who I think they are. But then they do things that I don't understand. And last night was a maddening, frustrating game against the Chicago Blackhawks. The players talked about it. Coach McClellan talked about it. And I think anybody watching the game had to be frustrated as well because that should not have been a 1-1 game, uh, you know, going into the – at the end of regulation. Yeah. Well, look, if you look at the expected goals, the Kings were 4.48 as opposed to 2. Mrazic was great. Uh, I agree with you. That was Dominic Hasek? <laughs> yes, I mean Dominic Ash. Did you see his? Listening. Did you see yeah. Morassic stats coming into the game, Dennis? Yeah, yeah. He no. had no business holding no. the Kings no. to one goal. But anyway, no. I, I'm sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. No, 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 I'm not interrupting at all. Um, I, I think that's part of the reason that, that Todd was so um, ebullient uh, and giddy after because he sees the team playing better defense and getting better goaltending, and he's happier in the press conferences. So it, it, it wasn't a complete victory like 4-1 where there was no doubt. It, it, and something about Chicago, I, it, that's, those are two of the same games. Like they, they, can't, they can't get any offense against the, the Blackhawks for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, and, yeah, I, I still don't know what this team is. Like I, I know they're better offensively. But, John, now you look at the, the power play. I think the power play is 0 for its last 10 or 11. You're going to have those stretches. Um and, you know, I keep saying, like, I know Fiala – I know the top two lines are set right now because Gage's been so great, but you can't play that guy on the third line. I, I don't know how you I, – I don't know how you figure it out at the end. Maybe uh, with Quentin Byfield coming back, maybe Fiala facilitating for Byfield might be better. But I, I don't know. But right now, John, they're in the playoffs. But you saying that, you know who's also in the playoffs right now, the season started right now? The Arizona Coyotes. Okay, so every, so, yeah, they are. They're in a playoff spot. They are. Okay. I swear. They are. Right. They are. Look at the standings. They're in a playoff spot. So, so who knows, right? But I agree. It, it, I don't think we get to the essence of. I think we get to the essence of this team after this, after the next road trip, because that's a long road trip. I think it's five games. Um, they, you know, will they win tomorrow? They should beat Detroit. You watch Detroit play defense. Let that Detroit game last night on what was it Thursday night? It was two two in the third. They wound up losing eight two. They're not a good team. This is a, and I said it on the uh, coming home that they will be favorites in all four games. And they were uh, the the Florida game was really important. That was an important game to win. The, the rest of these games are important for different reasons. This is a team tomorrow that you should beat. And they have an opportunity to do an, go on a little bit of a roll. And with Calgary stumbling with Edmonton that we talked about. I, look, I don't think Vegas is going to play 850 puck for the rest of the season. Maybe they will. But this team is solidifying. Like Again, John, what do we always say? Can't make the playoffs in November. You can miss the playoffs in November. And this team sure. is, 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 is has just been more solid. on the, And they're winning at home. For the last two seasons, they never win at home. They're not a good home team. They're finally making hay on this road, on this homestand, which is really good to see as well. Well, speaking of that, sort of tying into that, I had a chance to go one-on-one with Drew Doughty last night after the game. And Dennis, you know, being in the locker room after a game, it's very rare that you get one-on-one with Drew because even if you start to talk to him, it's only a couple of seconds before nine other people are standing there in the scrum. And uh, that didn't happen last night. So Drew and I were having an extended conversation one-on-one and uh, I posted some of the audio last night. And two of the questions 
the answers, I should say, were, were really profound to me. One was I talked about the issue that you just mentioned, and I talked about this. Hey, the question was, when, you, when you're coming home and you're seeing this four-game uh, homestand and you're seeing some of the teams on the, on, on the schedule, did you guys have a plan sort of coming in? And was there talk about how important it was to really make hay on this four-game homestand? And I thought it was what I would call a mature Drew Doughty answer because in years past, you know, he's so unfiltered, which we love, yeah. but some of the other teams have used that as bulletin board material. Sure. And he was – it wasn't like he was guarded. It wasn't like he was reserving the real answer because I don't think Drew has the filter and the ability to do that. It was his legitimate answer, which was, hey, look, we have not been a good team at home. And that was the talk. We weren't focused on the teams. He said, mm -hmm. certainly we know that some teams are better than other teams, but we don't sure. like to talk about the other teams and focus on the other teams as much. Right. Sure, we get up for some teams because they're bigger games and we know that. He said, but really, we don't focus on the other team. We need to just focus on what we need to do on this homestand. And I, I, for some people, they might be thinking, yeah, of course, that's like a cliche answer. But listen to the audio because it's on yeah. it's on uh, it's on Twitter. And, and I think when you hear the audio, you get the context of it. And I thought it was a very mature answer from Drew and a different approach than we've seen perhaps in years past. Because, Dennis, from the outside looking in, it does feel at times like this has been a team over the past couple of years that gets up for the big games and then mm -hmm. overlooks the teams that they should beat. And then it, that becomes really frustrating. And McClellan was the one who was pointing out last night, to your point from earlier, one of the reasons they have so much trouble with Chicago is the way they clog up the middle and the way they crowd yep. around the net. And when you go back and you, if you were to watch that game or watch clips, it does feel like there are a lot of Blackhawks. It wasn't just Peter Morazic playing goal. It was half the Blackhawks team on any particular shift. So it really, it really clogs things up there. And the other answer um, from Drew, uh, hopefully you listened to it, which was about the power play he's not really happy with the power play right now. And even said the power play almost lost them games instead of winning them games. Um, that was a more typical Drew Doughty answer, you know, um, from some of the, it's not snark. It's, I guess it's just truth. Truth is yeah. what I would call it. Uh, and he was very truthful about the power play and his frustrations with the power play. I think he began the answer when I was asking him about it, <laughs> about the power play by saying, it's just not very good right now. <laughs> it's not. And, you know, the great thing about Drew, remember back in the day when Drew said uh, he, he doesn't want the media in the locker room anymore, right? Remember that, remember that great quote? <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> For a guy who, who doesn't want the media, he, he has great answers. He's a great – Absolutely. Absolutely. I've gotten him on off days this season and, like, just thought – and thoughtful stuff, not just off the cuff. And stuff I wouldn't even use. It's just for background stuff. I, yeah. I didn't use the order. But his answers are great. You could tell he's a savant when it comes to this game. It's right? so funny that, you use that word because that yeah. was the word that I was thinking while you were saying it's just he's a hockey savant. The guy he, is he, just – he is hockey. He's like the living embodiment of the word this hockey. Is the last yeah, he, he is. And it's, it's, and plus, you know, not for nothing this week, you know, he waved goodbye to, to freeze off and that was good. And, and, you know, I, I asked, I asked Todd after the game, if he saw that and he said, no. And then the next day I go, <laughs> I, and then at the next day after the practice, I'm like, so I asked you last night, did you see him waving goodbye? He goes, no, I still haven't seen that video. I'm like, okay. Okay. Go, Do you believe that? I'm not sure I buy that. Okay, I don't at all. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna wave goodbye to the first period right now. We have Bernie Nichols yep. coming on the other side during the break, Dennis. I'm gonna text Todd the GIF of Dowdy waving goodbye. <laughs> and then I can say you saw it exactly. Thanks. Yes, and then stop saying that you didn't see it. Uh, it was fantastic. Let's wave goodbye here to the first period. As I said, uh, coming up on the other side of the break, former LA Kings fan favorite Bernie Nichols will join us here on Kings of the Podcast.
Welcome back. Kings of the podcast, second period. Now, um, Dennis Bernstein, we record this show live, so we do not really go back and do editing uh, like some other programs do. And unfortunately, we're having a difficult time connecting with Bernie Nichols. We did have the uh, call and the appointment set up for uh, the second period here today on Kings of the Podcast. He's must be tied up. He's unavailable, but that's okay. The show moves forward. We will reschedule Bernie for a separate time. But DB, I had a surprise for you today in the third period. We're calling an audible. I'm pulling it up to the second period. Um, You know nothing about what's about to happen. Is that correct? That is correct. I know nothing about what the hell you're talking about. So so here is my surprise. Yes, as usual, right? People think that this is highly orchestrated and organized with agendas. They they don't know how we roll, DB. You and I just get together, we hit record, we start talking. Sometimes one it day is, we'll do video, John, for YouTube. <laughs> sometimes it's fantastic, and sometimes it's sometimes a train wreck. But people spinning. seem to like it. So um, okay. I'm pressing. I'm pressing, not pressing. I am pressing. Uh, call on my phone here, and uh, I have a surprise for you. Okay. Luffer. Hey, what's going on? We, uh, you're interrupting Kings of the Podcast with a, uh, a live uh, break into the show here. Dennis Bernstein's on the line. I didn't tell him that you were going to be a surprise and that we had set this up yesterday. So welcome to Kings of the Podcast. Hey, good to be back. Yeah, you are, you're a returning guest. So you're, uh, you, you know, you're in a select group that we actually invite back for a second appearance. Hey, I, I appreciate that. Good to be back. Talk to you guys. It's been a while. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I figured we had to get you on the program because you and I were chatting a little bit yesterday. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm really pissed off at you right now because uh, I was looking forward to seeing you Saturday night in Los Angeles. And now you're not going to be here. I know. Well, I thought I made one appearance in LA. Got a game winning goal. It's kind of hard to pop that. (laughs) But I'm just trying to wait to get out of there. But no, it all just sucks not to come back and see all the boys and the media there that gotta spend so much time with so frustrating but i mean no road to recovery starts and you know what there's always next time so so luffer explain to people like the the nature of if you want to the nature of your injuries and and how you're feeling right obviously not feeling great at the moment but um what are you on the men from at this point yeah uh it's been 12 days first day like the first uh Injury was I took one like a slap shot to the face there, and, yeah. which caused some facial damage. And then uh, the other day on Tuesday, we just got hit from behind there, and I ended up breaking my wrist through a plate in there with eight screws. And now I'm kind of just uh, have a uh, 12-week recovery here, and basically if I don't have this plate in my hand, my wrist would just keep hanging off broken wow. since like how badly the bone was broken. So basically, I just got a new wrist. How does someone like you keep such a positive attitude, right? Because the road has not been easy for you. Multiple teams, now the injuries and everything. But there's one thing about Matt Luff. He's always in a good mood. So so how do you maintain this this positive approach as you continue down this, you know, really challenging journey? Yeah, I think as just a kid that's had like this kind of journey is just uh just excited to be able to have the opportunity in the NHL and still try and prove myself that day in day out and still show that you know what uh, I can work towards getting get a full time job in there and I think uh, for me you never want to be one of those kids that just mopes around and complains that things aren't going your way because that's not a good luck like I love being around the guys playing or not playing and 
thing for me. It's just, you know, that helps me get to the rink every day. You know, I get to see the boys and, you know, you get to just have some fun with them. And listen, I could be doing a lot worse things in life than uh, playing pro hockey somewhere. So wh- which is a better city, Luffer, Grand Rapids or Milwaukee? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like Grand Rapids a little bit better. Why? Right answer. <laughs> uh it so far and all that but I mean obviously there's a couple more pro teams in Milwaukee but I, I like Grand Rapids it's closer to home and got like very big hockey city like walking around there like you would think you're a, you're an NHL team like the fans like will recognize you anywhere you go yeah. so they're very dedicated to the team there and they do a lot of cool things for the fans there so it's nice what about this? What about this one? Uh, first of all, thanks for joining us today. I, I couldn't even believe that you wanted to come on today, you know, given what you've gone through this week. So we, of course, appreciate that. Um, what about does it ever get old? I mean, you talk about that, you know, living out your dream and just, you know, a kid playing hockey and things like that. But does does it ever feel like this is work at some point? You know, you've had these multiple stops. You put the jersey on for different teams. Does it ever feel like work for you? Uh, maybe some days when it's just, uh, when you get into a long stretch of, uh, not playing and doing the bag skating. But I think even those days, you know what, you're still, still a pro hockey player and you still got to do what I want to do since I've ever, you know, stepped on the ice. So I think that's always a reminder I have to myself is that, you know what, kids would die to be in the position I'm doing. And, you know what, I think you had told me at 10, 12, like, you know, I'd be in the NHL and, I'd go to the lineup doing a bag skate, like, I'd still, I'd, I'd still take it. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things is, uh, that always brings back to reality is that, you know what, for the call that work isn't the, uh, the hardest thing in life. Luffer, you went back in, uh, going back to last season with Nashville, like, you were involved in the, uh, stadium series game. Um, just yeah. being in Nashville. So, so what, what was that experience like? 60,000 people at Nissan stadium. Like, was it enjoyable? Just your memories about that game. Yeah, I think that I remember getting a phone call in Winnipeg and I just, and they, uh, they, they called their up here. calling you up from Milwaukee and, uh, they're playing the stand series game. I think, you know, ever since they started, I think it's every guy's dream to play outside there and, kind of brings you back to when you were a kid you could play on the outdoor pond and I think the whole build up getting to like create your own jacket like just all just everything you see the city was a little bit more buzzing and then you get on the bus and it's open top you're driving through downtown Nashville and every rooftop bar is sold out with you know Fred fans lightning fans and so you know like you're driving through there and you get to the stadium you're warming up and you start seeing it fill in and then when you're walking out and you got 60,000 people there, you're just like, oh, all right, like, here we go. So it was a great experience. And I think, you know, what, one of those things I'll never forget. I think it's one of those, another thing, it's just like, how, how cool is that? Like, I got to say, I got to play an outdoor game in Nashville, Tennessee. So, I mean, if I get to play another one, I'd be great. If I don't, I mean, I had a great experience doing that one in Nashville. I think it was really well done. We're going to do a numerology segment. We were going to do number nine uh, for Bernie Nichols on the program here today as well. But you've had a couple different numbers in your NHL career. 64, of course, in Los Angeles. 24, I believe, in Nashville. 22 now in Detroit. I think you were 23, if memory serves me correctly, when you were with Hamilton. Uh, Is 22 just uh, trying to get you closer to 23? Or is there anything significant (laughs) 
or were you were just assigned that number when you get to, of course, an original six team, it gets to be challenging at times. I short 25 in Hounds. I think around 23 is my last stint in Ontario where I was there for a couple of games that were 23. But, uh, my apologies, no, Luffer. I can't, I can't keep no, all the no, numbers no, straight. No, so, yeah, you know, I'm just, trust, I'm, me. Since... Yeah, trust me. It's been a lot of jerseys are in the basement with a lot of different numbers. So I understand the, uh, the confusion, but no, uh, 22 is kind of just assigned to me, but I think, uh, I kind of like the, the same number there, but I think, uh, the way this runs, going, I'm going to see if, uh, if we can change 22 or something. Cause, uh, right now there's not much luck inside of that jersey. <laughs> Luffer, forget you. How's Meatball doing? Meatball's good. He turned six this year, and uh, you know he's living life. He's back in Oakville, and you know yeah. my parents are treating him like like the king he is. And you know what? I, uh, I think this summer we're gonna get him a little a little puppy to just pull around with. That uh, he can ride out till the end there, and you know what? But he's good. He's awesome. He likes the winter, so he's just chilling. I'm, to, I'm driving home to see him right now, so I'm pretty excited to see him. Well, we're going to let you go here with one sort of uh, final question. Uh, putting a positive spin on things like you always do, rehab is not going to be the highlight. What's going to be the highlight here of the next, ten, I think it's 10 to 12 weeks. Is that the is that the assessment right now for you? Yeah, 10 to 12 weeks. And uh, I think the highlight just, you know, uh, just watching the progression I get, I guess, week by week of going from right now um, and a swing to like and a cast getting an air cast and just watching the development of how you really get the, the strength and mobility back, especially when you have a plate and eight screws in your hand. To me right now, I've never had surgery or any uh, like anything like this. So I guess to me it's how you got that strength and mobility through all that. So I think that's kind of what the cool process will be is just how you see your body regain all that and just how, you know what week by week you see the different changes and everything and i'm lucky enough i can still work out legs and stay on the cardio side so it's not the worst uh Great. not the worst injury all right well again thank you for finding the time to join us here unfortunately the nhl schedule makers they're working against us because detroit does not come back to la again this year so um barring a trade which i'm going to say is probably out of the cards at this point uh you, we won't see you back in los angeles this season but of course it's always great to catch up with you and uh we wish you nothing but the best on your your road to recovery and can't wait to see you back uh wearing your number 22 for detroit sometime this season yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. And yeah, I'll be around in LA. You'll don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There you go. Matt Luff. We'll be back on the other side of the break for the third period of Kings of the Podcast.
back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the mayor. Okay, third period. Welcome back, Kings of the Podcast. Now, DB, normally, not normally, sometimes, occasionally, you and I have a chat during the intermission uh, while the music and everything else is going on, but I specifically did not ask mm. you, and so I wanted to wait until we hit the record button again and we were back for the third period. What do you think about that? Nice little surprise. Uh, Matt Luff coming on and joining the program. Oh, that was fantastic. It's great. I miss Luffer. He's a really good kid and, and consider him a friend. And uh, maybe he'll roll through Toronto while I'm here and we can have lunch or something like that. But uh, a terrible injury. But you mentioned it, John. Uh, to be that positive just days before you're getting thrown to the boards and breaking your nose and your wrist and having a plate put in, that's just a testament to the, the type of kid that uh, Matt Luff is. So it was a great surprise. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he gets back to the ice before the end of the season for the Red Wings. Yeah, it was one of those things where we were just uh, texting yesterday, uh, you know, well wishes type stuff. And and he's like, hey, if you need me, I'm available for the podcast. So really like you really want like right now you want to come on. I mean, I'm thinking you'd have other things on your mind right now. And uh, so, yeah, he wanted to jump in and we didn't tell you because we wanted to uh, to keep it a surprise. It was going to be a surprise for the third period, but we instead did it. Uh, here in the second period. You're so resourceful, John. That's it. Your, your ability to think on your feet. You're like Kevin Fiala. <laughs> okay. It's creative. Dude speaks four languages. I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day about that. I know you've been traveling and been busy, but I've yeah. been sitting on this since training camp. Um, the guy speaks four languages, and what he told me is he speaks four languages every day. So, like, here's the deal. Andre Kopitar speaks three languages. Um, yeah. But I don't think that Kopi speaks three languages every day. I haven't asked him. I'd have to double check. Um, but I, I just don't assume that he yeah. does. I probably two languages and many people speak two mm-hmm. languages. Yeah. But Fiala says that he speaks four languages every day. He speaks one language when he's talking to his parents, one language when he's talking to his wife, one language when he's talking to his friends and another language when he's talking to his teammates. It would seem like that's a lot to juggle, DB, four languages in the same day. Yes, and they call it a polyglot. That's what that is when you speak so many languages. But that's why I'm. And there's your question. There's your question, Dennis. The next time that Kevin Fiala is around, ask him if he knows that he's what is it? A polyglot. Polyglot, exactly. Ask him if he knows that he is G L O T. Yeah. Oh, we do spelling on this program now too. That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Polyglot. Work that into your next article. Yeah. No. It's only for, it's all, that's podcast only content, John. So, um, oh, exclusive, exclusive yeah, content. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dennis, I think you and I have a, a difficult enough time with the English language. We don't need totally, um, to try to speak I'm not four totally. languages in one day. I know a little bit of French from three years in high school. I think I remember twelve words. So that's about it. Well, I think I've told you this story many times. I took four years of Spanish in high school, <laughs> and the only two words that I remember are el papel de baño and cerveza and the reason for that was some friends and i were going to mazatlan on a trip after high school right. graduation and the okay. spanish teacher would repeatedly for the last couple months of school tell us uh specifically me i think if you only remember anything from my class and right. on your trip i need you to remember el papel de baño and cerveza and sure enough to this okay. day uh several years later all i remember is cerveza and el papel de baño I think La Pluma means pen, uh, but that's like maybe the only other thing that I remember. That's what you get from a public education, John. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> How do you know I didn't go to private school? How do you know I went to Just public like school? like I did. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Dennis, uh, any reaction there? I mean, I know we talked about the positivity of Matt Luff there, but, yeah. uh, you know, th- this is a real bummer, I think, if you're him, because... And we see this happen with other players. I mean, we were talking about Martin Furk a couple of uh, programs ago. 
the window is so small for it some is. guys to make it to the NHL. And when right. they get that opportunity, they have to take advantage of it. And that's really what happened to Martin Furk here in L.A., right? He had that window where there was a roster spot available to him, and the window closed very quickly from the time that he was injured until the time that he came yeah. back and, and was available to play um, because things change in the NHL all the time. The things never play out the way that you expect with your 23-man roster over the course of 82 games. And a guy like Matt Luff, like a bubble player, if you want to call him that, who's waiting yeah. for that opportunity to get in there, an injury like this can be just so devastating because the window was there for him to get playing time on this Detroit team this year. Yeah, it's a transitional team, and, and he's you know, he's a bottom six player at this point. But it, like, I know in Nashville, same thing. Come in and hit everything possible and, and put your shot on net. And that's, I'm sure, the same thing that Lalonde probably asked him to do in, in, um, in Detroit was to be physical and just add some punch to the fourth line. And it's tough because there's always a younger, cheaper player coming. Like there's always some 18 or 19 year old coming for your job. And Matt's not, he, he's not a, you know, he's not old, but he's not, he, he's not at some first round pick either. So it, 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 you're right. The opportunity is so narrow to stay, to, to get here and stay here. It's just, it, it's, it's tough and upsetting the fact that he's now sidelined for 10 to 12 weeks. Cause in a team that has transition has opportunity. I think that was a nice fit in Detroit. Um, that he landed there, but now he's going to have to wait and be patient. But again, he said he can work on his cardio, can work on his legs. He just can't, you know, the ability to to grab the stick and shoot a puck again is going to be, it's going to be, you know, weeks away or months away. Yeah. And you, you have uh, not only the, the situation of, of coming back from an injury, but you also have the fact that he's not a born and bred Detroit Red Wing. So when right. you're a draft pick and there's just there's something yeah. about being drafted by a particular investment. team. There's yeah, more investment. 100%. The asset is worth more, even though statistically the asset might not be worth more. There's an investment of time, energy and effort to get that player into the organization and to develop that player. And so if you're drafted by a particular team, you generally have a little bit of a longer runway than if you're coming in and trying to, you know, I guess, steal a job um, from somebody else. Well. Uh, Kempe and Velarde, case closed. There's your two examples. All right. Uh, let's talk about that in, in, in a minute here. Let's get through numerology, though. I guess we could sure. save it for the Bernie episode, but uh, at some point when we do reconnect with Bernie Nichols, we can just talk with Bernie and we don't have to do the... the uh, the numerology. Yeah, you promised people a guest. You promised some numerology, so let's let's make good right. on one of the promises on the numerology. All right. So so number nine has been worn, uh, I think, twenty plus times in Los Angeles. Not that surprising because it is a number that is very common and has a lot of historical uh, uh, meanings around the National Hockey League. We've done number nine before. I'm going to guess because we had Adrian Kempe, who of course wears the number now, on as a guest a few years ago. But uh, as a quick reset for the players that wore number nine, Real Lemieux was the first player with the LA Kings 1968 he worked for a couple of years Bill Flett Cowboy Bill Flett wore it Cowboy in 1990 yeah Ralph Backstrom uh you had several other guys in there Billy Harris uh scrolling down to Bernie Nichols in 1982 he was about the 10th player uh to wear that number in Los Angeles Sean White people might remember him W-H-Y-T-E back to your spelling uh Dennis that was a unique spelling for Sean White he wore that in 1993 one of my all-time favorite insignificant L.A. Kings, and I say that with nothing but love, Dixon Ward wore the number oh, in yeah. 1994. Uh, you know, there's a tie in there. I think that was from the Detroit Red Wings, if I'm not mistaken. Dixon Ward, uh, Barry Melrose favorite. Rob Brown, of course, wore that number. And then uh, Vladimir Siplikov, uh, he came over in a deal as well, uh, 1996 to 2000. Kelly Bookberger. 
Bucky wore that number 2000 to 2002. Man, Dennis, you talk about mean and tough players and uh, guys that the LA Kings could really use right now. Imagine if Kelly Bookberger was yeah, on yeah. the LA Kings right now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They, there would be a lot less nonsense. Guys would be not getting run or being poked in the eyes with sticks or being whacked at with sticks. So yeah, he was that that's the type of element that they don't have right now that uh, is lacking. Yeah, and then you also had Eric Rasmussen. He wore the number in two, uh, 2003. Of course, Eric Rasmussen, I believe, also had some... Uh, did he not have a, a ties to the Detroit Red Wings? Did he not play in Detroit? I remember he played in uh, in Buffalo for quite some time, but uh, I could be wrong about his his time with uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, maybe I'm confusing everybody with uh, the Detroit Red Wings. I, I don't know. Uh, Red Wings on the brain. I do have red because they're coming in on Saturday and my whole brain was wired around it because it's reverse retro night on Saturday, Dennis. Don't even get oh, me started right. on that. Too. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's the debut that. of reverse retro 2.0 going up against the Detroit Red Wings. And we expected Matt Luff to be there. Um, Konstantin Pushkarov, uh, another uh, random L.A. Kings player from 2006 to 2007 or in that season, he wore it. And then Oscar Moeller, everybody's favorite Oscar number nine Moeller, in L.A. Favorite. Come on. People love Oscar Moeller. Went on to, of course, have a fantastic career uh, over in Sweden. Um, some people still affiliated with Kings management are not too happy with the way that Oscar Moeller was handled during uh, <laughs> during the time that he was here. They they feel that Oscar Moeller could have been a, a much better player and, a, and a, a bigger contributor to the Los Angeles Kings. And that whole thing was sort of uh, bungled, as was the uh, situation with a few other players. Uh, Teddy Purcell in 2017, he briefly wore that number. And then Adrian Kempe came along in 2018. He's been wearing the number ever since then. Kempe, of course, uh, has worn other numbers in Los Angeles as well. So there's your trivia question to wrap this thing up. Do you remember, Dennis, Adrian Kempe's first number? Not number nine, but what is the number he broke in wearing uh, when he came into the NHL with the LA Kings? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember at all. No, 39 is the answer to the question, which is, all, wow. yeah, which is also the number that uh, Alex Turcotte was wearing when he was uh, playing with the it's LA. It's funny Kings. about nines with Kempe. Mario Kempe wore twenty nine when he was in the league. So how there about you go that? nine twenty nine thirty nine? Rasmussen did not play for Detroit. He did not. Okay, he so did. there he you go. For New yeah. Jersey and Buffalo. As well yeah, as yeah, Buffalo. I remember for some reason I'm just connecting everybody to the Red Wings today. That's that's, that's what good. we're gonna go. I, like with. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing that. Original Matthew Schneider 60. played. Uh, he is a former King. I don't know. Uh, he played definitely with uh, with the Detroit yeah. Red Wings. Steve Duchesne, uh, and there's a guy Luke Robitaille. Hey, by the way, speaking yes. of that, Dennis, yesterday was an anniversary. I mentioned this to Luke last night, and he didn't he didn't know. Uh, yesterday was the anniversary of Luke's return to LA. It was his first time back playing at Staples Center, as it was known then, in a visiting team uniform. Oh, really? I don't know that you would remember that game, but maybe you would. Um, you know, Luke had such memorable starts and stops with the Kings, right? He, he yeah. left, and then, you know, he was with Pittsburgh, and he was with New York uh, at the Rangers, and he played with Gretzky and, you know, in Madison Square Garden and all that stuff. We just sort of forget about that. And then he came back, I think he had three tours of duty total and he came back and then he left and then he came back. Uh, but yeah, his first time back in the building wearing a visiting sweater. It's just weird because when I think of Luke Robitaille, I only think of him in an LA Kings sweater. I, I just don't remember those other uh, times when he was with, in, with those other teams, Dennis. 
Well, I remember Detroit stop because he won a cup there. Yeah, I mean, he was playing on the fourth, and you know, and look, the first season he scored thirty goals in Detroit, and then the second he scored what eleven? It was eleven, twenty, thirty-one. So, I mean, he went there and won a cup and, on a team that was just phenomenal. So he was playing bottom six minutes for a player who's in the Hall of Fame. Even at that late stage of his career, he wanted to go win, and he wound, wound up winning uh, in Detroit. Yeah, he did for sure. Um, so. Let's get back to the comment from a second ago and talking about the patience that the organization uh, was able to show with Adrian Kempe, sure. the patience that the organization was able to show with Gabe Velarde. And um, you have had a few uh, Kings of the Podcast rants on some of the Twitter donkeys, I think, as you call them, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, about various things at times. Um, we could lump you in there when we're talking about Gabe Velarde too, DB, but now you're you're on the Velarde train. You're excited no, no, about... No, 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 no. You, know <laughs> you thought I wasn't going to be able to slip that one in? No, 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 come on. I, I said the guy from day one was a right winger. Now he's a right winger okay. scoring goals. All right. Okay. He's not a I talk about. I want to talk about Byfield, though, yep. because it absolutely blows my mind. And I don't know why it does, but it still shocks me and surprises me, Dennis, that people are mm -hmm. willing to say the things they are about this player when he's 20 years old. He was 19 in August. 19-year-olds mm -hmm. don't take the NHL by storm. It is very rare. And yes, Drew Doughty was a phenom and he came in and he took the league by storm. Drew Doughty is the exception. He's not the rule. If that's the standard that you're going to hold all draft picks uh, to, then you're going to be disappointed time and time again. Quinton Byfield, yes, he was selected second overall. Yes, he was a high draft pick. He's 19. He was 19 in August. He just turned 20. He had an injury last year. Give the kids some time. And here's the part that I'm that I'm getting at, Dennis. I would think, and maybe I'm too rational about this, I would think that if people had learned anything over the last three years, they saw it with Kempe, just give him time to develop. And yes, Kempe took longer than anybody expected, but look how it's all working out. And if nothing else, recency bias, you would think would kick in because no, you don't have to look any further than Gabe Velarde. Gabe Velarde has had a very challenging last couple of years and mm -hmm. it's all kind of coming together. And I think people forget exactly how young Gabe Velarde even still is. You're talking about a 20-year-old player in Quinton Byfield. Um, so a lot of people up in arms over Byfield going to the American Hockey League on a conditioning assignment this week. We kind of tried to, uh, you know, hint at it or give the tip, mm -hmm. tip of the hand uh, sure. last week saying that Byfield was likely going to Ontario in a, in a conditioning assignment and then put an article up on mayorsmanor.com that talks about well, it could be longer than four or five games. He might have an extended run, whatever that means, uh, with the Ontario Reign, potentially, to just get his strength back, get his confidence back. A lot of the same words that we heard with um, Gabe Velarde last year. Now, I think we can all agree that the plan is for Byfield to play in the NHL this year. So sure. the question really becomes just when and if he's going, not uh, if, excuse me, but when he's going to come back up. But Dennis, how is it that people forget that he's 20 years old. How is it that people are are labeling him a certain type of player? I, I just can't figure it out. Um, patience, people. <laughs> I'm bringing that word back oh. up, Dennis. It was popular on the podcast for a while. Just give the kids a little bit of uh, a little bit of rope, a little bit of runway to develop. He's 20. He's 20 years old, Dennis. Yeah, I, I, I've hold off on criticism, but look, what I would like to see from this player in the second half of the year is to move the needle. But that's 25 games away, so I'm I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt. And you're right, it it's look look he's buffered by the fact that there's Kopitar and Dano on the team, 
if they had not signed Dano and they were going to pl- plug him in as the two C and he wasn't and he hasn't put us in anything yet really, then then it would be open for criticism. But now, like, what do you want him to do? Play fifteen minutes, play in the three C, maybe play with Fiala and I don't know why I follow him when he comes back. So there's no real pressure on this this player to be a thirty thirty player this season. But you, you have to sow signs at some point this season that you're going to be an impact player. However you want to define impact, but I'm not willing to say, yeah, no, they're not trading him for Jeff, for Jacob Chicken. Okay. I get it. Like people want to say, Hey, you know, whatever it's a bust. And part of the problem is, you know, where he was drafted and the kid behind him is signed a long-term deal in Ottawa and scored 27 goals last year. So people look at that when they want to compare, if you don't want to, but I, I'm like, it, that doesn't really matter, John, because he doesn't play in Ottawa. He plays in Los Angeles and he doesn't have to do that much to be an impact player at this point in his career. Now, at some point, Kopi's not going to be here anymore. So if you have the wrong way for two more seasons, if you can give him two more seasons to develop to an impact player and you still have the presence of Kopitar and Deneau, then you're fine. So there's no reason to complain right now. And the team is playing better without him. Um, Kapari is, I don't think is the solution at 3C, even though people like him and he's fast and he's smart and he's a good kid. He just doesn't score enough for me. Um, Quentin Byfield can. He has the ability to do that. But look, if it takes 12 games in the AHL, for him to get back on board and get his strength back and get his confidence back, because I don't think he's the most confident player right now. Like, who in the space of things, like, what does 12 games mean? What does 10 games mean? It, you know what it doesn't mean, John? It doesn't mean the player's a bust, right? So I'm going to, you know, and anybody that's willing to say that at this point in time, it's just, you know, I, Dennis, I get it. People, yeah. I want to read some of the comments to you because this Go is please. why I'm so, yeah, this is just, I, I'm, I, I, I just want to block people, mute people, delete people. I don't even know what to do in this comes, world anymore. It comes the, the donkey parade. Go ahead. Dennis, listen to this. So I post an article about Quentin Byfield, right? And I saw uh, that. What's to, next for him? Yeah, right? trying to lay it out, trying to explain to people, you know, exactly what's going on and how we've yeah. arrived at this point and then sort of where to go from here. Uh, and, and this is one of the replies. Quote, unquote. He sucks. Wasted pick. Bust. <laughs> trade him. Get the very little that you can for him and move on. No need to continue to hold on to a mistake, hoping that it will change. Dennis, that's not even just like a <laughs> random comment. I could continue to go through. Next one. Trade Byfield while he has some worth. Get defensive help who is playoff proven and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, oh, here's another one, Dennis. Here's another one. Turn back the clock and draft him Stutzla. Uh, it still pisses <laughs> okay. me off that he's playing a vital role to the success of Ottawa Senators and Byfield hasn't gotten off the ground. Sometimes you have to stay. Yeah, it just, it, I mean, Dennis, I'm, I'm not going to read this stuff because to me well, it's just hatred and nonsense. And here's the issue. And we've covered it. And this is what bothers me that people don't pay attention. Wingers are easier to find. Centers and impactful centers and impactful yeah. six foot five centers are difficult to find. Mm-hmm. So you build your team around that and then you complement them with those other players. So the Kings had Kopitar, still do. The Kings signed Deneau. We covered it at the time what the reason was. That's insurance that buys you time for mm-hmm. Byfield to develop because he was so young. Byfield is the long play. So yeah. it really doesn't even matter what happens this year other than one thing that he develops, I'll borrow your face, that he moves the needle, right? That he kicks it up a level. It doesn't matter if he does it at the AHL level or the NHL level. It's the long game. Quentin Byfield is not the the X factor for the LA Kings this year. People, stop worrying about what's happening with Quentin Byfield. If you love the LA Kings, if you're interested in the LA Kings, and you want to follow Quentin Byfield because you're you're buying in and you're investing in the future, right? And you're ready to turn Mm -hmm. the page. 
past the core four. Well, he's in Ontario. He'll be there this Sunday. And that's that team is stacked right now. Fagamo is back in the lineup. Alex Turcott's back in the lineup. Quentin Byfield's back in the lineup. Hey, Dennis, let me tell you a little secret too. You might have Brant Clark in the lineup soon on a conditioning assignment in the American Hockey League. So that team is stacked. If you want to go and you want to watch Quentin Byfield, then go, go see him in Ontario. And here's the other thing, Dennis, while I'm on this rant. Sure. How are people going to armchair quarterback a, 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 that pick? How many people had watched Quentin Byfield play one single game prior to the NHL draft? So you're mm-hmm. telling me that you knew which player the Kings should draft because you scouted all of these players ahead of the scouts that actually are on the road. I have a lot of respect for scouts, Dennis. You know that. Yeah, they yeah, have probably the hardest job in hockey. No they question. live out of a suitcase. They're traveling the world. They're gone and they're trying to project every what night. 17-year-old kids are going to do at 25. Yeah, exactly. Anybody who's spent any That's time around job. a 17-year-old kid know, yeah. knows, knows that there's a wide range of, no uh, of possibilities for their future. Very hard to predict. Even, even with the polished ones uh, that, that you know, have agents and, and advisors that teach them how to answer questions and all that sort of stuff. It is a very difficult job. And yes. you're trying to tell me that you think that this player that was drafted, it's just nonsense, Dennis. It's, it reminds me of, but you can't have it both ways either because nobody knew that Kopitar was going to be a star and the Kings could have easily drafted one of the other guys that was taken that year in the top 10 who never amounted to anything. So you can't have it both ways, right? So give the kid time to develop. Back away from your social media Okay, read more, tweet less. I feel like we're bringing back all the old themes of the show here, DB, because, dude, you need to read some of these comments. They are out of control. Calm down, people. Calm down. Well, I'll, I'll say the thing on, on Stutzla. Okay, so last season, the Kings had 99 points and made the playoffs, and the Senators had 73 and missed. This season, Ottawa is 4-8-1. and one. So how much did – and Stutzla – uh, yeah, sure. He, he looks really good out there, but how much has he moved the needle with respect to wins in a winning concept in Ottawa? He hasn't. So I, 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 I don't know. But I, Dennis, but Dennis, he's playing more minutes and he's scoring more and he's more important. And they're losing right? games. They're still losing games. They're next to last in the conference. So, but DB, okay. that's what happens when you are in transition. To use your word from earlier, when you're in transition, you can play guys more minutes. Yeah. Byfield, his minutes were he going to He was never going to be, gonna play 20 minutes a night. That's my point. His yeah. minutes were capped the moment that they signed Phil Deneau. That was right. the plan. Right. That was yeah. the reason why they signed Phil Deneau. He was insurance because they saw what they did to Velarde and the pressure that it put on him to project mm-hmm. him into the 2C, to start dropping Jeff Carter down to the 3C, right? And it just yep. it doesn't work. They're like, hey, we need to chill a little bit we need to give these kids time to develop and if we're serious about trying to win while some of these yeah. kids are developing we're going to have to import some talent we're going to have to get a victor arvidson in here we're going to have to get a phil to in here we're going to have to complement our roster and then allow these kids to to grow now i think about kaliev rob blake came on the program and talked about it at some point kaliev has to be a top six player for the yeah. long-term success of the la kings kaliev is not a bottom six player he's a top six player and this team will have really turned the corner and really become a championship club at such time when those prospects become top six players, like perhaps we're seeing with Gabe Velarde right now and his ascension from the third line up into the top line. Although I don't know how long you can stick with that, like you said, because, uh, man, you're paying a hell of a lot of money for Kevin Fiala to be on the third line. 
can't but you that. can't worry about the money. If you're Todd McClellan, you don't care about the contract. No, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about draft status or contracts or whatever. You're going to play the best combination of of 12 forwards you can. And right now that's where it sits. And if Gabe's going to produce at this level, and I don't think he's going to score 65 goals, but if he's going to continue to be a 30 to 40 goal scorer, then yeah, it, it, it's a good problem to have. I, I think it gets resolved with Byfield as the third line center. It, I'd like to see Byfield with Fiala because Fiala is so damn creative out there. I, I, I think he would get him going where he, if he's playing with other forwards who aren't as creative, then there's less of a chance to be an impact player. But we'll see. It, it, it just You're right, John. It just takes time. You have to play the long game, as you say. I think that's the best advice you can give to fans is that in the moment, like, don't worry about it. But, yeah, look, Gabe's shooting 24%, okay? So he, he's not probably going to challenge Connor McDavid for the, the Rocket Richard Trophy this year. No. But, but he's made strides. He's playing 17 minutes, and he, he makes plays. He's a very good passer. He scores timely goals, and you have to – just embrace that at this point in time. And look, John, it, over 82 games, you will figure out and Gabe will figure out what his, where he's going to actually be. Is it on the top line? Is it second line? Is it maybe combi- uh, combination with Byfield? You don't worry about it. You're winning games and he's playing great. And he's in t- and we've mentioned this a million times. He's a different player. He's a different person. He's way more confident, which you should embrace and be happy about. So for, for the guys that want to criticize Quentin Byfield, let's embrace what Gabe Velarde's doing right now and be positive about it. Yeah, I God, I couldn't say it any better than you just said it. It's so true. Like I, I just don't understand where this 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 venom and these comments are coming from. It's it's maddening to me, Dennis. It's absolutely yeah. maddening. But uh, I will give Todd McClellan some credit on something. I understand the original uh, intention of moving Kevin Fiala down the lineup. It, it was sort of to send a message to him, right? Yeah, right. But. It did have a positive outcome in this. And Todd referenced this last night that now they have three lines and the teams can't just wait for them. He he talked about how other teams have to defend them and how they use um, certain players when you have three lines, when you can roll three lines. And the credit that I give him, though, is this is that I never thought of Fiala as an option for that third line. Right. So you came into the season going, it's Iafalo, it's Byfield, you know, and it's Velarde or it's Calia. Right. Uh, and you, it's not a full-blown kids line, but you could say, oh, I see where he's working this. I see that Ayafalo yeah. is there to be that engine sort of on that yeah. line. But man, Kevin Fiala, who will never be confused with Alex Ayafalo, Kevin Fiala is a completely different player. He does add such a different oh. dynamic to that third line. And to even daydream for a second about what you're saying, Fiala with Byfield, Byfield and what that could put. Wow, that is a that's a pretty interesting line um, to think, you know, pairing there to think about. Now, I don't know who you put over on the right side. Is it Kaliev? Is it Velarde? You know, mm-hmm. what do you do? Is it Grunstrom? I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ways to to look at it and how you put that that pair those pairings together. But to to have three lines, it does make this team different, Dennis. And hell, they're winning. Team. They're winning right now. So uh, have to see how long they can keep it going. It's a different team. It's a better offensive team, regardless of what's going on with the power play, and Drew's not happy with it, but it, it's a different team. It's a more talented team. It, there's more scoring options, especially if Gabe if Gabe's a 25 to 30 goal scorer and not shooting at a 24% clip, it, it's still a better team. It, it's better offensively. They just have to figure it out defensively, and it looks like they're starting to – and part of the – look, I love Fiala, but there's going to be some nights where he makes stupid mistakes. He takes bad penalties. And you see what he's not unlike he's not unlike Kempe in that respect. That some of those penalties, you're like, what is he doing? Uh, but I like the fact that he made amends because remember in Chicago, he fumbled the puck, the puck went in the net, 
Tage Lund was winning the game. Last night he won with, what, 1.4 seconds left. So just I just am really impressed with this player because he's so creative, John. I haven't seen a player like this in a very long time in Los Angeles. And he's going to make his mistake. He's not a perfect player. But he certainly makes this team a lot more dangerous. As you mentioned, John, really good teams have three lines who score. So we'll see how it develops going forward. And at some point, the Kings will solve the defensive uh, issues, at least with their defensemen, figure out how to get a left-handed defenseman in here. Um, I don't think that Sean Dersey is the long-term answer uh, on the second pairing there. Sean Walker, a lot of questions. Uh, what What's going to happen there? And Brent Clark is going to get another game at some point, Dennis. Uh, here's the thing, though. I did ask Todd in the post-game press conference, is there a greater than... <laughs> I had to. I had to ask him. Is there a greater than 50% chance that Brent Clark plays Saturday night? And it's classic... NHL coach answer, oh, what day is today? Today's Thursday? Hell, I don't even, tomorrow's Friday? I don't even know what we're doing tomorrow. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You guys have the entire year planned out. You know what days you're practicing. You know what days the games are. That's why it's called a schedule. You know exactly what you're doing. I But I appreciated the uh, the fantastic next level sidestep yeah. that he did on the question. It's great. You know, he didn't hey. see Drew say wave goodbye either, but you know, like, no, yeah. but Hey, we have to ask the questions and they have to answer the way that they see fit. And uh, I mean, hell, I would have been more shocked if yeah. he would have said, yes, we've uh, penciled him in. He's going to, he's going to slide. And, and people the- chirping there. Is mayor <laughs> nervous? Clark's only played nine games. Oh my God. I'm like, and he gets scratched every night. Now I'm like, no, I don't think John's nervous about it. I think he's got a pretty decent idea of what's going to happen with this player. So it's uh, yeah, I'm not nervous. Fun. I love it. No, no, I'm not nervous. Uh, the LA Kings are winning. NHL coaches don't like to make lineup changes when they are winning. Yes, right. Coming into the year, GM Rob Blake was on the program. He referenced uh, how Noah Dobson, as an example, was brought along in um, New York when he was with the Islanders as a young player breaking into the league. Why don't people go back and read? Uh, and take a look at how many games he played. He played less than 40 games. Now, sure, that season was cut short by about a month due to the pandemic uh, when the league shut down in, what, in mid-March there. But, uh, you know, his 35, 36 games might have ended up being 40 games. There also is a contract reason that you would keep a player like Clark under 40 games, which I'll get into in an article I'm going to post on mayorsmanner.com. But the general point is uh, I wasn't expecting Clark to play 65 games this year. I expected him to platoon to break into the league. And uh, all reports continue to be that things are positive and trending in that direction. But to to just follow up on something I said a moment ago, and I want to give a shout out to uh, Zach Dooley, who pointed this out to me last night. Um, It's kind of funny, Dennis, uh, or embarrassing. I don't know. Maybe I'm embarrassed about it. Uh, You sometimes forget the articles that you write. I mean, this was 12 years ago. So um, I was I was talking about uh, potentially this or I was talking about the situation, I should say, with Brant Clark and uh, Dooley referenced an article that he had recently read on mayorsmanner.com from 12 years ago uh, where I had done an interview with Braden Shen talking about this exact situation. The article was titled The Road to Nowhere, and it was the fact that he had worn all these different jerseys um, and yet still didn't know what the plan was for him for the balance of the year. And so we're kind of in that same position now with Brant Clark. We're at the brink where he's kind of been on the shelf long enough because you don't want Brant Clark going two weeks without playing. Right. You don't have to play him every game, but you can play right. him every other game. You can play him every yeah. third game. But we're getting to that point where he's been on the shelf long enough now that a conditioning assignment could be warranted. And that's what happened with Braden Shin. Uh, sure. I think it was after eight games they sent Shin to Manchester and mm-hmm. he was able to get some some playing time in. So we could be seeing the same thing with Brant Clark. And then eventually he could even 
uh, end up with Team Canada here uh, the first week of December and playing uh, for Team Canada at the World Juniors. Now, that's a possibility. There are many other possibilities, but I guess to answer your question, Dennis, no, I'm not nervous. Uh, <laughs> just like this season does not hinge on Brent Clark, or, uh, excuse me, Quentin Byfield, this season does not hinge on Brent Clark. But I will say this, Dennis, in my opinion, he's at least the fourth best defenseman uh, or, uh, in terms of options that they have to play and just might be the third best defenseman that they have. So he's a hell of a player and should be playing in the National Hockey League at least half the time this year. That's my opinion, Dennis. Yeah, and I think he's going to get that time because, you he, look, Alex Edler's not going to, and I know it's the left side, but Alex Edler's not playing 82 games. There's just no way. He's just, he's not that t- type of player anymore. If he's part of the seven, Brent Clark, then he's going to have to play because you're going to have to sit Edler here on back-to-backs or whatever. So, yeah, and again, like, just, like, just, Baby steps. There's no reason to rush this player. Absolutely not. Um, let him be comfortable. He, he certainly can play in this league, John. There's no question he can play in this league. And on a different team, he'd be playing more. If he was in Ottawa or he was in Arizona, he'd be playing every night. They have the luxury of having a lot of depth on the right side, and the team's winning. So what's the hurry? What's the rush? Uh, clearly, you have not been on social media over the last uh, three years, Dennis. What's the hurry? What's the rush? Hashtag play the kids. That's the the right. There you go. You knew exactly where I was going. Well, Uh, now it's play the kid. When I tweet that Clark gets scratched, Dave Panyota, he he tweets hashtag play the kid. Okay. Singular when it comes to Brand Clark. All right. So Clarky. (laughs) Uh, we'll try to get, how about this? Let's try to get him booked on the podcast. We'll see if we can get Clarky to come back on and, uh, we can talk all about, uh, well, we have a lot to talk about with yeah, Brent we Clark, do. so we'll, we we'll, do. we'll do. We have a lot to talk about with Bernie Nichols, who uh, he's he's, he's in a rare he's in a rare group, Dennis, a guest who didn't show up for their scheduled yeah. slot on Kings of the Podcast. Yeah. So, Bernie, wherever you are, we're going to track you down. Uh, we'll give you one more crack at it. We'll give you one mulligan. We'll get you back on the program. Well, he gets fined for missing it, though. We have to figure <laughs> okay. out what the fine is. You, mayor's matter can determine the, the punishment. but He's been banned for two days, just like is we had to do with Drew. Exactly. Yeah, okay. We banned Drew Doughty, I think, back his rookie year two or days. second year. Even got him a shirt for it. He was banned for exactly. two days. So okay. we're going to have to ban Bernie Nichols <laughs> for two days. Uh, but that's okay, because Matt Luff stepped okay. up, and uh, he was able to join. So that was... A great surprise. DB, a great episode. I'm going to let you run. Uh, have fun in Toronto. Have fun at the Hockey Hall of Fame weekend uh, festivities. Have fun figuring out which Sedin brother you ran into uh, in the hotel. And you have a Maple Leafs game coming up. While uh, here in Los Angeles, we're going to have Reverse Retro 2.0 night happening on Saturday. That's going to be fantastic. I'm going to watch that game because I want to see those jerseys pop on the It's going to be great. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend.